is defined by endo podcast with your host and endometriosis warrior teniola ogunro created for and dedicated to women who have been diagnosed with endometriosis or who suffer from symptoms that they suspect to be caused by endometriosis don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for a weekly dose on everything endo if you find this podcast inspiring please share with your friends and family let's spread the word and inspire and empower women all over the world please note that i am not a medical professional so whatever i share on this podcast is to raise awareness and inspire please always speak to your medical professional before making any major changes to your diet or lifestyle with that said let's get right to it All disease begins in the gut. A quote attributed to Hippocrates. Well, if disease begins in the gut, then surely health must begin in the gut as well, right? If you have endometriosis or any other chronic illness, then most likely you have heard about the impact of nutrition or malnutrition, as the case may be, on our health. Well, this week, we are catching up with Christy Dishman, founder of The Rooted Life and a nutritional therapist whose goal is to help chronically ill women understand the power of nutrition and its impact on our health. Christy also has endometriosis and has been able to conquer it and live well despite the disease and I know you all can't wait to hear what she's got to say. Also make sure you listen to the end of this episode as Christy has a lovely gift for our listeners today. So sit back, relax, and let's have a listen. Hi, Christy. Hi. It's so lovely to have you here with us today. I have a lot of questions for you, so <laughs> I hope you are ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm a game face on. Okay, great. So tell us a bit about how you got into nutritional therapy. So what I want to know is who is Christy? What led her here? And what is her motivation for doing what she's doing? Um, so my kind of my backstory is, you know, like I really wasn't doing very well. I was um I was a pretty healthy child up until I started menstruating and then right away like my menstrual cycles became really painful, really uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, it's just like cramping was incredible. Uh, I was like, I would be nauseous to the point of vomiting. I would bleed through, you know, multiple pads. Um, and I just started my period, right? I didn't think that there was anything abnormal about it. My mom was like, yeah, that's part of being a woman. You kind of just got to get used to it. And so I just kind of would take ibuprofen and use a heating pad and miss school every once in a while and throw up and, <laughs> um, like go on about my way. And then about when I was like 16, I went on birth control because my acne was so bad and, um, and my painful period stopped and I didn't think about it for a long time until I was like 21 or 22. And I was just like severely depressed and anxious. And I was like, you know, I think it's the birth control. So I went off of it and then I remembered, oh yeah, my periods are really, really like really uncomfortable. Um, and I would go to the doctor and they would say, you know, this is normal. Take ibuprofen. Why did you go off the pill? Why would you want to do that? You crazy, crazy lady. (laughs) Um, 
And uh, so I kind of kept cycling through different types of birth control, trying to find one that managed my symptoms. Um, And during this time, not only were my periods super painful and uncomfortable, but I started developing a ton of digestive issues as well. Um, So I started getting this crazy, crazy bloat. My stomach was just kind of a, a constant rock all the time. Um, I like beg my husband to push down on it to like, kind of like move the gas bubble around and like, you're like nodding, right. I would like, I would imagine like the weight of a bowling ball on my stomach would just feel so good. It's like, who who knew we were going to talk about this today. Right. Um, constipation. I was like chronically constipated. I would go number two, like maybe every four or five days. And that had been chronically throughout my entire life. Um, was always like that. Never thought anything about it because we don't talk about poop, but we should. We should talk about poop. Yeah. <laughs> um, we should talk about our periods, talk about our poop. It's important, guys. So, yeah, and I would go to the doctor and and they, you know, ran a colonoscopy and an endoscopy. They didn't find anything. They ran some cultures. They didn't find anything. So they're like, you're, you know, maybe this is in your head. Maybe you're just stressed. And, you know, after 20 years, you start to believe that. So, um, it wasn't until I found a doctor who actually took my painful period super seriously and was like, Hey, I think you might have something called endometriosis and you might want to make some dietary changes. And she finally recommended going like gluten and dairy free and then limiting sugar. And that made such a huge difference. She also referred me to have surgery and then I went and had a laparoscopy and an ablation surgery, um, which I wouldn't recommend. I would definitely recommend excision, but, um, with a skilled specialist, not just your gynecologist. And, um, and they found uh, stage three gunpowder lesions um, kind of all throughout my abdomen. So they took quite a bit of it off. They burnt a lot of it off. And I woke up, I remember waking up in the hospital. Um, I wasn't conscious. I mean, I was conscious, but I couldn't speak yet or open my eyes. And I was hearing the nurse tell my husband, do you have, yeah, she has endo and it's all throughout her abdomen. Um, and I just felt like so validated for like two seconds yeah. before I realized like, oh yeah, I have a disease. Yeah. And, uh, it's yeah. funny. I think endometriosis is one of those diseases that a diagnosis is basically bittersweet. So you're like, yes, I knew it. I said it. I have endo. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I have endo. Okay. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The word disease haunted me for a long time. It still does kind of, but now I find it a little empowering almost in a way because I have to take care of my health and and I get to teach so many women uh, about the importance of it. But um, but yeah, so, and when I was talking to my surgeon um, at my post-operative appointment, she was like, okay, you have a couple of options. You know, we can remove your uterus or you can use it. You can have a baby right now. Um, or you can go on a menopause inducing drug like Lupin, um, it has a ton of side effects, but you know, maybe you'll feel a little bit better. Maybe you won't, who knows? And those are pretty much your options. And I was upset. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't, I don't find any of those acceptable. Um, like you're telling me to have a baby when I can barely walk up the stairs. I'm in so much pain. Like I couldn't go to the grocery store on my own. I was afraid to get like stranded there you're telling me to have a baby. Like, how am I going to take care of a child right now? And like, I was 20, 
six at the time and you're telling me to go through menopause, that seemed a little extreme and like, just cut out your organs. Like, no, I might want to use that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I, yes. So, so I just kind of was sitting there thinking like, I can't believe that these are my only options. So I went home and for a couple months I was sad, you know, and I couldn't really look up too much about endo without crying and get really, getting really upset. Um, but I did feel a little bit better from the surgery and from the dietary changes. I think just from removing gluten and dairy from my diet, I reduced like 70% of my pain. Um, which when I had been in so much pain to the point where I like could barely walk, um, was a lot. So I felt a little bit of my strength kind of returning. And so I was able to do like more research and I found like this whole host of women who were using nutrition to um, heal from their conditions and manage their pain. And I just thought that was super interesting. And I kind of like bookmarked it for later. And I was just starting to learn like, well, nutrition can make a difference. Like what other type of holistic things could, could make a difference for me. And so uh, I started going to like uh, physical therapy, pelvic floor therapy, 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 mm-hmm. um, massage therapy, acupuncture, and all those things helped. And I was trying to to get better, but I was also kind of looking for like a calling, right? I felt like I needed to do something to help women not have to go through what I went through on their own. And all those things helped, but nothing quite fit. And then one day I was reading a blog article by Mickey Trescott on autoimmunewellness.com. And she was something called a nutritional therapy practitioner. And I was just like, nutritional therapy, that sounds amazing. I didn't know that was a thing. And I just kind of had one of those light bulb moments, like, Oh, that's what I'm gonna be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I like went oh and told my, my husband, I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna be a nutritional therapist. I don't know what it is, but doesn't it sound amazing? And um, he was like, Yeah, sure. And so I um, looked up a, a nutritional therapist in my area, and I went and saw one. And within like ten minutes, she was like, You know, it sounds like you have something called SIBO, and it sounds like your digestion needs a lot of work. And um, yeah, I think I could really help you. Um, and she did within. A month, she got me eating red meat again when I couldn't do that for years. She got me digesting my food. She got me like not having chronic bloat every single day. She got me pooping every day. So I'm like, this stuff is magic. I'm like, you're a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it just kind of further fueled uh, me to go back to school. And and that's kind of, yeah, I found the Nutritional Therapy Association. That's where I got my certification and took their nine-month practitioner program. And here I am. Wow, that's an encouraging story. It's amazing <laughs> that you went from being sick and being, like you said, almost unable to walk and then going from there to, you know, getting a degree and being able to help other women. So I think that's pretty, it's a pretty big accomplishment. What would you say if I asked you how you cured your endo? Um, well, I haven't cured it. I still have it. We all know there's not like a cure, but I have healed a lot of my endo and it's made a big difference. So I no longer experience endo symptoms. Um, so I haven't experienced endo symptoms and I've been off birth control and haven't taken pain meds for two years now. And, um, so how, how did I do it? Not really that simple. (laughs) So as I said, I just started off with just like a gluten and dairy free diet. Um, definitely noticed a, that sugar was a really big trigger for me. And so I kind of like checked those two boxes off, right? And I was like, oh, I'm already eating gluten-free and dairy-free. Like what else could I cut out? Um, turns out a lot. <laughs> so uh, I 
just before I started working with a nutritional therapist, I would notice even if I ate pretty, you know, quote unquote clean, I still wasn't feeling that great. And I still wasn't, I was still constipated and I was still bloated. And it really wasn't until I was doing a food and mood journal with my nutritional therapist when I noticed like, you know, actually I don't feel good most of the time still. Um, even after cutting out those like major inflammatory foods. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was through working with a nutritional therapist, um, that kind of encouraged me to try an elimination diet. Um, and so I'm currently on autoimmune paleo protocol, which is a pretty intensive, uh, therapeutic elimination diet. So the idea is to remove all of the foods that are inflammatory and all of the foods that, um, cause kind of a chronic immune response. Um, you remove all of those until your symptoms subside and then you reintroduce them one at a time in a very controlled manner, um, and monitor for reactions. So, um, there were a lot of foods that I was eating on a regular basis that I thought I was completely fine with and that are nutrient dense and are good for you, you know, quote unquote, good for you, like eggs and, um, green beans and cauliflower. But it turns out those are all really big triggers for pain for me. And I never would have noticed if I hadn't done something like the AIP diet. So that is the, probably the biggest thing that I've done to heal myself. And then of course I do a lot of, um, other supportive therapies like acupuncture and massage and pelvic floor therapy was huge as well. The elimination diet sounds like a lot of hard work. So how did you stay motivated doing it and how did it work? Did you need um, your nutritionist to help you with that or did you manage to do it on your own and how long did it take uh so i i would say for me it's so much easier to take out a food than it is to like mess around with to me it just seemed a lot easier to just change how i was eating than to change a lot of other factors in my life so i will say for me i'm just really motivated in that way okay. um but honestly the symptom reduction is what kept like I can have a period and uh put on pants <laughs> and walk around um and and the lack of pain is really what motivated me and when you cut out those foods and then you reintroduce them and you have the proper inflammatory and immune response um which we'll talk about a little bit later why that happens um it's really obvious like my body doesn't like this um so it becomes really obvious after you have done the elimination diet which foods are causing inflammation, what exactly it's doing, how it exactly it's making you feel. And it's, and then it gives you the power, right? It empowers you with the, the choice to make that decision for yourself. Like, is ice cream worth it? I don't know. I know what it's going to do to me now. So I know what I have on my plate over the next couple of days and how long it's going to affect me. So uh, am I going to indulge or not? Right. So would you say that while you're trying to heal, that's when you do the elimination diet? And for foods like you mentioned, cauliflower, would it be something that you could introduce back? Or when you find your trigger, then you should never have it ever again? No, uh, no, definitely. I think your body goes through seasons, right? Um, so when you do, when you first start doing reintroductions, um, it's something might not work for you just yet. And you have to do a little bit more healing and you have to do a little bit more, maybe, um, investigation, maybe run some more tests and then reintroduce at a different time. So there are certain, like you couldn't pay me to, to eat gluten again, probably ever, but I'll probably try eggs again 
in the future for sure. So you haven't See had how. eggs in a year or more? Uh, probably two. Yeah, it's been about two years now. Oh, wow. That mm-hmm. is discipline. <laughs> <laughs> Again, eggs, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it's, I think it too is like I found so many substitutions. I think we kind of get breakfast in particular is so hard for people because yes. And I, I've been like, people are like, what are, what do I have for breakfast? I'm like, you know, soup or meatloaf or, you know, a nice stir fry. And they're like for breakfast. And they just give me this look like I'm super crazy. And I'm like, yeah, it's just food, you know, it's fuel. Um, and it does kind of come with this like mindset difference of like the food that you eat is, is fuel. It becomes a part of your body. It's what makes you tick. It's, it makes your blood cells, it makes your muscle cells. And if you're not fueling it, with what it needs, then how is it going to be able to sustain itself? How is it going to be able to fight the constant inflammation and immune response that endo causes? So um, kind of having like a little bit of a mindset shift in that food isn't always something, it is definitely pleasurable, but it is also medicine. Yeah. Um, so each meal that, and I find this really empowering. I think it's super cool that every meal that you eat is an opportunity to introduce nutrients into your body to heal. Yeah, and I try to like this. It's like a little woo woo, but I like close my eyes and I think about those nutrients being like mm-hmm. absorbed and um and healing me. Yeah, you know, like you are healing. You're healing your gut. Mm-hmm. I'm erasing the endo. Yeah, um, and to, to me, that's just a little bit of me. That's not necessarily. That's not what nutritional therapy is, but um, but yeah. Did that answer your question? Yes, definitely, you did. So let's talk about dum, 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 <laughs> the endo bloat. Yeah. The belly, like many of the endo sisters say. So um, I would say those are digestive issues. So what is the endo belly? What causes it? A lot of our doctors don't even talk about it. They don't even acknowledge it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because one doctor, when I actually mentioned, you know, I think I might have leaky gut, the doctor was just, just looked at me like, what are you What's that? You've <laughs> just you've got endometriosis. That's it. You know that's mm-hmm. the pain. Don't talk about leaky gut. So I have to. Many of um, many of us have to advocate for ourselves and fight for ourselves and just continue to do our own research. So anyway, so my question is, what is endoblue? What causes it? And you know, what's this relationship or connection to what to leaky gut? Yeah. So. It's it's kind of like my personal hypothesis that endo belly doesn't really have very much to do with endo. Um, I think that endo tends to mess with our digestion, um, and then we're kind of left with some type of gut dysbiosis of some kind. And dysbiosis just means like there's an imbalance of the flora that's supposed to be in balance um, in your gut. We're mostly bacteria. Actually, there's like 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 we're kind of these microbes that walk around just to hold our bacteria inside of us. Like we're mostly bacteria. Um, so uh, if that gets out of balance, um, then that's kind of when problems start um, and things like SIBO happen and candida happens. Um, so that's kind of what I, it, I don't have endo belly anymore now that I've gotten my digestion under control and kind of figured out the gut pathogens that I had. And I had SIBO and I had parasites. Um, which are like just so much fun, <laughs> but yeah, I, um, so after I healed those, now I only have, 
you know, chronic bloat or quote unquote endo belly. If I eat some, if I'm like contaminated, cross contaminated one way or another, or if I eat something knowingly that I know is going to cause an issue, like for me, cauliflower is like cauliflower is worse than probably gluten <laughs> um, for me. Yeah. It's insane. Um, so I get really, really uncomfortable. So, um, and it can definitely be caused by something like leaky gut as well. And leaky gut, um, is, is really interesting. So you can kind of think of our digestive tract as like one long tube that runs through us. Right. And it kind of what separates the outside of us from the inside of us. And we're talking about the leaky gut. We're talking about the small intestine in particular. And the purpose of the small intestine is to absorb nutrients from the food that we eat. Um, and get those nutrients into circulation. Um, it's also where our enzymatic uh, actions happen. It's where we like digest and assimilate our fats to um, our food is neutralized when it's in the stomach. It's very acidic. So it has to be neutralized in the small intestine um, to perform all these other um, factors. So leaky gut is when something happens to those cells. And and the cells along the small intestine of our gut, it's only one lace, one thin layer of cells that separates the outside of us from the inside of us, which is still to me like super crazy. <laughs> um, but it makes sense because the nutrients need to be able to get across it easily. That's what keeps us alive. So I guess it makes sense, but you think they would come up with a better system. Yeah. <laughs> you could have been like two layers thick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so a leaky gut is when something happens to damage those cells or the junctions that hold those cells together. And then food and toxins and bacteria and things that the body has already decided, we don't want that, we're going to excrete that, get into circulation. And that causes a whole ton of issues. And they're actually finding a 100% correlation between endometriosis and a leaky gut which to me has huge, huge implications because while endo isn't curable, a leaky gut is. Yeah. Um, so, and this, I have a list of the symptoms of leaky gut here. Chronic diarrhea, constipation, gas, bloating, nutritional deficiencies, poor immune system, headaches, brain fog, memory loss, excessive fatigue, skin problems such as acne, eczema, rosacea, cravings for sugar or carbs, arthritis or joint pain, depression, anxiety, and autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and celiac disease. Um, wow. And how many of those are symptoms of endo, right? Or that us endo ladies are walking around with, yeah. kind of just pigeonholing it down to endometriosis and thinking there's exactly. not anything that can be done when there actually is a lot that can be done. Yeah. So what do we do about leaky gut? What do we do about leaky gut? Yeah. <laughs> So um, the big thing about leaky gut that's um, particularly dangerous is about 80% of our immune system hangs out right outside of our small intestine for this reason, because it's pretty normal. Every once in a while, a cell is going to break down and need to be replaced and a little bit of food and, and whatnot is going to be um, introduced into circulation and cause this immune response. So when undigested food gets into your circulation, your body treats it just as it would a bacteria or a toxin. Um, and it kind of mounts this immune response. And um, if you have a chronic leaky gut, that means that you're having uh, this huge immune response every time you eat. It's just kind of flooding your circulation and your immune system with these foreign bodies that need to be dealt with. And not only that, but every time something is introduced into your circulation that's foreign, that's an invader, and that the body attacks, it creates something called a T-memory cell. 
And those, and that tea memory cells always in your circulation. It's always like, Oh, I remember what cauliflower looks like now, guys, like we're going to always be looking out for cauliflower. So every time you eat it, you're going to have an immune response because it it's remembering those proteins um, that caused an immune response beforehand. So it's very intelligent, but that's why so many of us with endo and with a leaky gut get so many food sensitivities and start reacting to everything because we are becoming sensitive to these foods because it's leaking into our gut. So we have to remove the offenders and we have to strengthen the defense of the small intestine. So we have to do a lot of gut healing, use a lot of gut healing nutrients, things like collagen, glycine, um, Although uh, like a lot of amino acids really are what heals the small intestine and, and work on the underlying cause of what caused the leaky gut things like uh, birth control and pain medications um, can cause leaky gut. Chronic stress is just enough to cause a leaky gut and what endo sister isn't dealing with a lot of stress, right? It's really stressful to be sick and yeah. to not feel good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, getting to the underlying cause of what's causing the leaky gut, um, over, overuse of like antibiotics can definitely cause like leaky gut too. So if you don't get to the root cause, if you can't figure out why your gut became leaky in the first place, um, then it's probably just going to keep coming back. Um, so yeah, working with like a skilled practitioner to come up with a protocol and to help you work through um, why you have leaky gut in the first place. So let's talk about food and the rubbish in food. <laughs> There's so much rubbish in food these days. And um, whether it be from pesticides that are used to grow the foods or during transportation of the foods or just synthetic things in food. Um, there's so much crap in food. And sometimes even with things that are healthy, so things like kale or, you know, cauliflower, our favorite now. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes we still hear things like, you know, eat organic and all of that. So how can we understand food and food ingredients and how do we know what to eat and what to avoid? Yeah, it gets kind of tricky, right? And I will say um, there's no one cookie cutter diet for everybody. Like I know a lot of people who have endo have been told to eat the endo diet. Um, which is frustrating because you go and you look like, okay, what's the endo diet? I've never seen any two lists look the yeah, same, the same, right? <laughs> um, so like that doesn't, what that really means is we, we all need to create our own anti-inflammatory diet. Um, and unfortunately there's not a super easy way to do it. The most effective way to do it is with an elimination diet like we discussed, um, about a little before. So, um, but a really good start is with eating foods that don't have a label eating whole foods, um, properly prepared to be as nutrients as possible, um, including a lot of nutrients, a lot of a variety, um, and your diet is going to expose you to a lot more nutrients. I think the average person eats something like 15 foods on average. Um, and that means you're missing out on so many nutrients in those foods that you're not including. So I really like to challenge people to go to the grocery store and, um, or their market or their farmer's market and buy something new every week that they haven't tried, a new fruit, a new vegetable, a new protein. And you might really like it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's kind of it's kind of fun, you know, to learn to prepare new foods and just like you just you don't have to look up a recipe or anything, just pick it up, take it home, look up how to make it, make it super yeah. simple, and just give it a give it a try. So eat as as much variety as possible. 
And then I do think it's important to know what you're eating. So if you're looking at a package of food and you're looking at the ingredients label and you don't know what half the ingredients are, I think it's pretty safe to say, don't eat it or research it. You know, I don't think that it's crazy to want to know everything that you're putting inside of your body um, and its effects. So um, I have a short guide on my website, the the rooted.life that um, has some information about uh, ingredients that I find particularly harmful and that I would avoid um, okay. all the different names of, of for sugar, um, what the difference between like a macro and a micro is and how to read a nutrition fact box. And that's a good place to start. I'll put your website on the show notes as well. Awesome. Yeah. So what are easy ways or techniques to begin to choose the right foods for endometriosis? Uh, so I think that the best thing to start doing is to start a food and mood journal. Um, so really detailing all the supplements that you're taking, what you're eating, what time you're eating, um, and then setting a timer and actually assessing how you feel in two hours. Um, so, cause there's not going to be any one perfect diet. Again, you might be eating something that is constantly inflaming you when it wouldn't necessarily inflame somebody else. So really, uh, getting to know your body really well, um, really assessing your, um, your symptoms and, and how they change from meal to meal and from day to day. So eat breakfast, write it down. I had a piece of toast and some butter and a piece of fruit and then set a timer. And then when the timer goes off, go like, okay, sit down really like, how am I feeling? How's my head? How's my chest? How's my stomach? How are my muscles? How much energy do I have? Um, and if any of those are off, then those are places to start looking. And like, you can have like the list of hidden food sensitivity symptoms. People mostly just think like digestion, how am I feeling digestion? Like brain fog can be a symptom of a hidden food allergy or sensitivity, um, ringing of the ears, itchy ears, sneezing, um, muscle, you know, weakness, uh, fatigue, like all of these can be symptoms. So expanding to kind of your library of symptoms and, and what you consider a reaction to food, you know, kind of opening your mind to like, it might be the foods that you're eating. It might not, it might be an exposure to something in your environment, or maybe you just didn't sleep very much either, but it could be a food reaction. Um, and keeping in mind that you can have food reactions up to three hours or 72 hours after you eat a food. So that's why I think it's so mind opening to actually write it down and then notice like, ah, man, I ate really, really quote unquote clean today. I don't really like to use that because I don't really like to think of foods as dirty yeah. or like, you know what I mean? But, you know, I ate a really whole foods diet with like a lot of nutrient dense foods and I don't understand why I'm not feeling well today. Well, maybe it's something that you ate three days ago. And your motility is just so slow that it's just kind of hitting some part of your system and not agreeing with it. So that's a really great place to start. And once you've done that for a little while and you haven't, you still haven't honed in on things, I think that's when it's really useful to work with a functional practitioner to um, start identifying individual food triggers. And that's where I think that elimination diets can be super, super helpful. And AIP isn't the only one. I do recommend it because. If you're going to be going through all this trouble, removing foods from your diet and trying to honing in on things, I would want to include all of the potential foods that could be causing an inflammatory response or an immune response. So I, I put like, that's just the way I saw it. And that's kind of uh, 
what I talk to clients about, but whole 30 is an elimination diet. Paleo is an elimination diet of sorts. Um, so, but just making sure to remove the food in question from your diet for long enough for symptoms to subside. So if you're still having symptoms, you won't be able to notice if you have a reaction to the food. So until the symptoms subside, then reintroduce and monitor for three days and see how you feel. And if you don't have a reaction, then it's safe to say you can probably slowly implement that back into your diet and then wait until you kind of become back to your baseline where you're feeling good. You're not feeling symptoms and then try reintroducing the next food. Cool. So let's talk about nutrient deficiencies. A lot of endometriosis sufferers actually have nutrient deficiencies. So what um, supplements would you recommend and why would you say we have nutrient deficiencies? Uh, So this kind of goes back to leaky gut, right? If you're leaking your food into your gut, you're not absorbing those nutrients. Um, So you'll be losing a lot of nutrients just because your gut isn't intact. Chronic stress is actually a really big cause of nutrient deficiencies. Uh, When you're chronically stressed, you're chronically outputting cortisol. And that process takes a lot of nutrients to do. When you're kind of in a chronic state of stress, right, your body is just trying to keep itself alive. It's not really worried about absorbing nutrients and getting them to your muscles so you feel good and energized and getting them to your to the other parts of, of you that need attention. It's just worried about keeping you alive, right? So you can think of your like average day like, okay, it starts off with the alarm clock. That's a cortisol response. Then I'm a little bit late for work um, and I'm sitting in a traffic jam. There's a cortisol response. Your body doesn't have like a, a really good way of differentiating between different types of stress. Being late for work is just as stressful as being chased by a tiger. Wow. So you can, so, so what ends up happening is something called the cortisol steal and your body kind of shuttles all nutrients and hormones and energy to creating that cortisol just to keep you alive. Even though you might just be a little late for work, it doesn't know that. It's trying, it's just, it's just noticing that you're, that you're stressed, right? But there's, there's trauma. We need to address it. So, so chronic, that's why stress is such a big factor um, in in learning and learning how to do that. Uh, And then another source of uh, chronic deficiencies is, are the medications that um, so many of us are given to, you know, quote unquote, treat this disease birth control, um, pain medications, Lupron, they all come with uh, nutrient deficiencies. So um, mostly your minerals. um, So magnesium, uh, your B vitamins, iron, so many of us are anemic, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as far as what to supplement with, I really don't recommend supplementing willy nilly. I think that's, again, where working with your doctor or practitioner to test, not guess. Um, and really supplement the things that you need. So like a nutritional therapy, a lot of symptoms are indicative of a particular nutrient deficiency. Uh, so working with like a nutritionist can help you really figure out what foods need to be included in your diet in order to get these deficiencies under control and what nutrients do we need to maybe supplement therapeutically in the time being to get things, you know, back up to optimal levels. Um, I will say that the one supplement that I recommend everybody to be on these days is magnesium, just because our soils are so depleted that you can't physically get enough from food these days anymore. You have to supplement and, um, magnesium has like 500 uses in the body. 
So you're using a lot of it. Okay. Um, so this can help a lot with like muscle cramps. And something I find really interesting is it takes 50 milligrams of magnesium to um, process one gram of sucrose of sugar. Really? Um, yeah. So if you look on the back of them, it's like six grams of, of sugar. That's going to take like 300 milligrams of magnesium to process. Wow. So do you know that? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So speaking about that, what would be the ideal um, dosage for daily magnesium um, supplement intake? Uh, what I take personally is 400 milligrams a day. And I'll usually like break that up, have some in the morning, have some in the afternoon, but it's going to be very individual and, right. um, magnesium, you can do like to bowel tolerance, usually too much. If you're constipated, magnesium is great. It's going to loosen those bowels up for you. Um, but you can kind of find like your bowel tolerance, which is how much magnesium it takes for you to get looser stools and then cut back. Okay. Um, and then monitor for symptoms. Like there's not going to be one perfect dose. Like there's a, a recommended daily amount, right? But that doesn't mean, it doesn't make sense that you and I are going to have the same exact amount yeah, exactly of magnesium needed, right? People. Yeah. Yeah. What are, like, what are, what are you doing every day? How much sugar are you eating? Like those are all different factors that could play into how much magnesium you need. So, but uh, you'll see most places recommend like two to 400 milligrams a day. That's great. So for someone who has just been recently diagnosed with endometriosis, what would you recommend as a roadmap or an action plan in order to deal with this disease? <sighs> I would hope that <laughs> it's a long journey, right? I, know. I think building a supportive uh, medical team is so important getting people who are in your corner, right? If you have a doctor that's saying your pain isn't that bad, um, it can't be that bad. It's all in your head. It's anxious. If your doctor's telling you anything, it's just in your gut doesn't feel right. Get rid of them. Yeah. Right. Find another doctor. There are so many other doctors, especially in this day and age. Like you can find so many people online who yeah. are willing to work with you. There are so many resources at your fingertips. Use them. Um, so I would say find a supportive a team of doctors and holistic practitioners um, to get in your corner. And that's going to make a huge difference. Um, educate yourself, um, investigate other, like, I think it's really easy. And I, you know, I fell into this to be like, oh, I have all these symptoms and I have endo. It must be because I have endo. Yeah. And I had all of these chronic gut issues. And as soon as I healed those, I didn't have endo symptoms anymore. Um, so you could have something else going on. So investigate gut health. I think it's super important. If you're not able, if you're, you, if you have a gut pathogen and you're not able to properly digest and assimilate nutrients from your food, of course, you're not going to feel well, you're going to have nutrient deficiencies. And those symptoms are your body's way of telling you something is off. Right. So listening to the symptoms and, and tracing them back to their root cause. It's not always endo. Um, it is a lot, there are a lot of symptoms that come with endo, but it might be something different. So give yourself that opportunity and, um, mental health, I think it really needs to be addressed. Ask for help when you need it. Find a supportive therapist who understands chronic pain. I think those are the top three things that I would probably recommend most to people. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. 
So now let's talk about the rooted life. Can you tell us a bit more about your services that you provide and the programs you offer at the rooted life? Yeah, so um, I work mostly with people one-on-one and I have one three and six month packages. Uh, And what we do is we really get to know one another. So I have like a free consultation that you can sign up for just to determine whether or not nutritional therapy can address your health goals. Um, And then after that, we will have uh, like a two hour consultation and kind of go through your medical history or family history your dietary habits. Um, I'll assess your food and mood journals. I'll have you do, um, I have people do a minimum of a three-day food and mood journal before I even schedule that appointment. So we get to really know each other. We identify your um, nutrient deficiencies. We identify your goals. And then we put together a plan of how to get those nutrients in you. Oftentimes that means working on digestion. Uh, So we put together a plan to do that. uh, And then we touch base every couple of weeks uh, and I answer your questions and support you and root for you along the way. Uh, And then we'll talk about digestion and blood sugar regulation and fatty acids and all that good stuff and give you steps to um, take those nutrition basics and um, kind of apply them for life. Apart from your website, how can anyone reach out to you? Like what's your social media and um, how else can we reach you if someone wants to, you know, get to talk to you? Yeah, so you can email me at christy at therooted.life. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm at endo.foodie. Uh, and I'm on Facebook, but I don't really use Facebook that much. Yes, okay. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. So yeah. Anything else you'd like to tell me? Anything I didn't ask and any knowledge you'd like to share with us? Just one final thing before we leave today research everything that I said, you know, don't take, you know, be your own advocate, do your own research. No, don't take my word for it. Go and and find resources and people that you trust and um, find what works for you. It's going to be different. Thank you so much, Christy. It's been an honor being able to talk to you today. And I'm really thankful that you've come on the show today. I'm sure a lot of us have learned a lot from you. And um, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've been a light in my Instagram life. So it was was a pleasure. (laughs) So there you have it, ladies. Christy has kept it real with us, sharing with us everything gut health, eating the right foods, what leaky gut is, and how to begin to choose the right foods for our bodies. So the gift we promised at the beginning of this episode. For our wonderful listeners today, Chrissy has provided a fantastic freebie, the Spoonie Food Journal Challenge. It is part food journal, part health challenge, and a how-to guide all in one. It shows us how food can affect the body, but it also tracks emotions, sleep, and cycle information. This guide is the perfect tool to have in your toolbox if you aren't ready to work with a nutritionist one-on-one. To get this free gift, visit www.therooted.life slash the-spoonie-food-journal. You can also click on the link in the show notes and download this guide as I am certain you will find it very useful. If you want to find Christy and know more, visit her website 
www.therooted.life where there are lots of resources and guides that you can download and learn more about nutrition. You can also email Christy at christy at therooted.life and find her on Instagram at endo.foodie. All this information can be found in the show notes. Until next time, I am Tenyola Ogunro and remember, you are not defined by endo.